talking to a science storyteller today on the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. How can listening and storytelling help kids learn about science? Marshall Escamilla knows all about that. Marshall is a former teacher and one of the creators of the Tumble Science Podcast, an educational audio show aimed at kids. Tumble got a Best of 2016 Podcast Award from iTunes, and they've done stories ranging from bacteria farming to the real-life inspiration for Pikachu, that Japanese cartoon character. I'm Pius Wong. For today's episode, I got a chance to talk to Marshall across the Atlantic Ocean, and he shares how his show Tumble got started, how podcasting in general can be used in the classroom, and more. Listen up, next. So Marshall Escamilla, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you, thanks for having me. I'm in Texas, but you're all the way in Spain. That's pretty unusual. I, I am, well. At least it's Spain for the time being. I think uh, there's a movement afoot to get out. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Pretty quickly after we moved here, there was a big uh, push for Barcelona. I mean, not Barcelona, the city, but Catalonia, right. which is the region that Barcelona is part of, to uh, secede from Spain. And that, that political drama is still unfolding. Yeah. I feel like... Um... Well, we'll get into it, but you're basically a team of journalists over there. I wonder if you can cover some of that. <laughs> uh, you know, um, it's hard because we're so uh, ignorant. <laughs> oh, okay. Of, of, I mean, I've learned a lot about like local politics yeah. here and the political situation and people's point of view. But, you know, it's still, there's there's much more still to be learned. Yeah, yeah. Well, besides asking you about Spanish politics, I definitely wanted to ask you about your work in science and STEM and education. You have a podcast uh, called The Tumble Podcast that is, as I understand it, it targets kids. It's a science mm -hmm. podcast for kids. For people yeah. who haven't heard about it, how would you describe it? Well, so, you know, our tagline is that we tell stories of science discovery and the main, you know, for me as an educator, the main thing that really drives me to do this podcast is kind of, I think, correcting a perception that I think a lot of kids have about what science is. Because, you know, I, I know at least, you know, my science education growing up, it was a lot of like, here's the book, learn all the stuff in the book, and then you know science. Mm. And I mean, to a certain extent, you know, science is a body of knowledge, right? But it's also, I think more importantly, it's a process of how you find knowledge out and you know it's constantly revising itself and new information is constantly coming to light and there's always just an enormous frontier of things that we don't know and i think it's really important to communicate that to kids um, for a whole host of reasons you know one of them being how they react to science as adults like you i think you see a lot of you know, our political conversation about science mm -hmm. is revolving around, you know, these things are true and they're immutably true and they will always be true. And then when science revises it, people get all freaked out. Mm -hmm. Like what? Pluto's not a planet anymore. What? You know? <laughs> um, so I, th I think that's one really important reason. And I think another is just to sort of convey the excitement 
of finding things out and just being curious and then coming up with a, you know, rigorous and concrete idea to actually answer a question. So it sounds like you're kind of trying to demystify science and the scientific process as well as inspiring kids. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think a little, you know, and every time, every, every time we, we answer a question, like, you know, all, every one of our episodes begins with a question from a kid. Um, well, not everyone, but I'd say like 95%. Yeah. And, you know, we go through and we answer their question, but we don't just say, you know, if they say like, how heavy is a beluga whale? We'll say like beluga whales weigh this much, but here's how we found that out. Um, Cause there's always an interesting story behind every single science fact you encounter. And I think especially in, you know, earlier science education, you don't always hear the, the story of how we know what we know. Right. Right. And I've heard other people describe your show as radio lab for kids. So <laughs> who listen to NPR, they might know radio lab is that show that they tell stories as well. They try and do a lot of the things I think that you're talking about, but more aimed at adults. Mm-hmm. So how do you address these kind of heady questions? Cause they are, they're big questions. How do you address that for kids? Um, well, I think like there's a lot in, you know, what kind of language we use. I think we steer clear of jargon as much as possible and steer clear of, you know, like college level vocabulary if we can. Mm. Um, I think there's also a degree of making it fun. And I think also always making sure that the topics we're choosing aren't too, too heavy. Like there are a lot of great radio lab stories that I just would not share with my son. <laughs> right. It's just, it's, just, I love the story, but you know, I, I, I don't want to have the conversation about, you know, somebody coming back from rabies, <laughs> for example. Right. It's just right. like, that's, that's just too dark. It's too dark. So, you know, we, we try to keep it, try to keep it a little more fun and less, um, just, just steer clear of those types of like, mm. you know, medical stories or things that involve a lot of death and questioning our general place in the whole universe. Yeah, they're very positive stories. I guess the the humor is in it too because you have an episode on, you know, not just the science of dogs or cats. You have the science of poop, and you have <laughs> like yeah. the the titles you have are very. Um, if you know the R.L. Stein book series, your titles of your episodes remind me of that. Yeah, the the, the tale of the or the sign of the ninja virus and right, right. Is that a uh, deliberate choice to kind of brand everything like that? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I think you know we we have internal disagreements about the titling of episodes. Uh, Lindsay, who's you know the co-host and she does most of the reporting. Um, is very adamant of that every episode should be the blank of the blank. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that adds an element of fun. I think it also like can get too complex sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just want to say we're talking about cats or something. Yeah, it's just yeah. like cats. That's the title. Um, right. right. Yeah, sometimes you can spend like hours figuring out what it should be called. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I do think the titles can draw kids in. I guess 
to clarify, what age range would you say Tumble actually targets? I think we aim for like a fourth or fifth grade audience. So that's that we we try to target our language at like upper elementary. Hmm. Um, but we do have we've heard from listeners as young as three and as old as 40. So it's quite a range. I mean, the nice thing about targeting upper elementary is that the younger kids can still understand it, but then their parents aren't like jabbing their eyes out when they have to listen to the same episode six times. (laughs) Right. Okay. So you are trying to make it where parents can listen with their kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't do much of the reporting and my role on the show is to sort of model the learner. And, you know, honestly, I learn things every episode um, that I never knew before. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a common experience for most adults. Yeah. And also you mentioned your team, Lindsay, your co-host. Could you talk a little bit about who is helping you out with this? Yeah. So we're basically a team of three. Lindsay and I are are married and we co-host and do a lot of the work having to do with the show. And then we have a third partner uh, named Sarah who does all of our web development and also uh, edits and does some of the reporting for some episodes. Hmm. And your wife, uh, well, you're an educator and your wife Mm -hmm. wasn't a teacher, but she's like a producer, right? Yeah, she she got her start in science journalism, actually. Um, Okay. That her first professional gig was working for Earth and Sky, which I don't know if your listeners would be familiar with. It's like a it was a ninety second radio spot that aired on NPR stations. Um, hmm. That would basically be just ninety seconds about something having to do with science. Um, so this is like the perfect combination of your skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing something educational and um, yeah and scientific and journalistic a little bit. And, you know, my, my background is actually primarily in music. So I I get to do all the scoring for every episode, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a background in music and you taught in Texas, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, again, that points to like how a podcast is perfect for you because sound and audio sounds so important. Do you think that podcasting can be used effectively to really teach all kids or is this just kind of a creative thing that you're doing? Um, I, I mean, I think it can be used effectively to teach the downside to using it in the classroom is of course, there's no visual element, right? So Mm -hmm. kids are kids who will sort of like lay back and like watch a video might not necessarily sit and listen to a 20 minute episode. Right. But it has advantages in that you can listen to a podcast while you're doing something else. Particularly, I think the overwhelming majority of our listeners listen uh, while they're commuting. Mm-hmm. When, when I was in grad school, I, oh wait, this is a bit of an aside. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. Uh, when I was in grad school, um, I was taking a course online and... Um, our professor would post lectures and I just put the lectures on them and like do the dishes and stuff. And if she referred to something that I needed to see, I'd like stop what I was doing and go look. But it was, it was actually, I find that sort of a better way to learn in some ways because a bigger part of your brain is paying attention 
to what you're hearing than maybe if you're watching a video. I don't know. It feels more engaging to me anyway. That's funny that you mention the different places that you listen to it. My my sometimes guest co-host, Rachel, she was just talking about how she was looking for a new thing to listen to in the car as she brings her kid to school and and tumble, the Tumble podcast or other educational uh, resources sound like they would be good things to listen to. Do you find that you get your fan mail from kids or from adults or do people tell you where they're listening to it? Yeah, I mean, so most of our listeners... Um, I, I think most of our listeners do listen while they're commuting, um, or road tripping. Cause that's sort of, you know, when you're, when you're in a car, it's hard to look at a screen, you might get motion sickness or, right. I don't know. I think also a lot of parents are reluctant to just sort of like give their kid an iPad for like a five hour drive and then, you know, have them yeah. sit there staring at a screen for the whole time. Let's see. We just heard from a fan who listens at night before he goes to bed. We've heard from families who listen uh, sort of like after dinner. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I, I know I personally find, you know, just sitting and listening to something to be kind of relaxing. Right, right. Um, it's not just meant for in school. It's definitely in students' daily lives or families' yeah. daily lives. Yeah. I mean, we, when we first made it, we wanted to make it um, make each episode about commute length. Yeah. So each episode is like 10 to 15 minutes, which is, you know, pretty much what most people's commute is. Hopefully sometimes in Austin, it takes longer oh, for me, but good Lord. yeah, you have memories of that. I have to tell you, I do not miss Austin traffic. Right. I'll have to ask you how traffic is in Spain with political unrest, if it's different. <laughs> but, so Besides just listening to educational materials, I mean, I could see how that would be good for in different ways. But um, some people tell me like listening to something might be too passive. Like learning has to take place when, you know, kids or anybody are, are really active or engaged. How can teachers use something like podcasting in their classroom and really get students engaged with right. it. Okay. So if I was going to use podcasting in a classroom, I would do a couple of different things. So the first thing you can do and probably the easiest thing to do is um, have your kids listen to an episode in class. And, you know, our episodes are about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So, while they're listening, uh, teachers have done this a couple of different ways. You can either just like give them some crayons and a piece of paper and have them draw or sketch or write things that they hear while they're listening. And then I would suggest about like every, you know, depending on the attention span of your class, every like three to five minutes breaking in and having a conversation about what you just heard. So that, that's one thing I would do, you know, to keep it active, keep talking about it, make sure the kids are you know, have sort of a free, free reign to digest as they're listening in terms of what they take notes on, et cetera. Teachers can also hand out graphic organizers to uh, keep kids engaged while they're listening. So um, I'm actually working on making some of those for our teacher store. I don't know if now's a good time to do a yeah. plug. Yeah, yeah. No, I was going to mention that. It, like I saw that you have transcripts available, for example, yeah. for some of your episodes, so they could follow along if they wanted. Exactly. And um, underline, 
I'm right now working on sort of more fleshed out and detailed curriculum packages to go with each episode. So um, that would include things like vocabulary worksheets to deal with vocabulary we use in the episode. Um, also like uh, uh, listening comprehension questions, sort of questions asking about the material covered in the episode was sort of, you know, I'm blanking on the like education jargon name for this, but when you give out notes with blanks in them, that has a name. Oh, I'm sure the teacher's listening. <laughs> I'm the wrong person. I, I definitely don't know all the education jargon as well. Yeah, I, Engineers have their jargon, but teachers do too. We definitely do. We definitely do. Um, I, I forget what that's called. Um, but basically a fill in the blank. Um, and then also, you know, I've been working on developing graphic organizers to go with our episodes as well. Um, what's a graphic organizer. What's a graphic organizer? Yeah. Um, well, it's basically, um, just a way to sort of like organize student notes as they're listening. So it could be something as simple as like a mind map. Um, okay. It could also be, you know, a a page with like three columns with different prompts in each column. Like there's the fact question response organizer is one that I've used. Right. Okay. Um, so it's an alternative to just writing paragraphs. It's, it's some other way of organizing. Right. Just like a, a way to like guide the students in organizing, which you can use something like that, or you can, you know, just give them a blank sheet of paper, you know, so that like, there are lots of ways, I think it is important as if students are listening in class to make sure they're doing something with their hands while they're listening. Cause I think it's a big ask to ask a kid to just sit there quietly mm -hmm. and listen to something, you know, without having some other way to keep them. Right, engaged. Right. No, I, 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 you're bringing back memories of when I was a kid, I remember in music class, we did kind of that exercise and I guess you as a music teacher, probably have more ideas with this but they would play some orchestral piece for five minutes and we and the lights were off which is the worst thing to do and we were supposed to <laughs> you know we're supposed to imagine what visual ideas or whatever the music would evoke and then we would talk about it afterward i, I could see where they were going with that but the lights off method of us just sitting there for five minutes probably was not the best way to keep us engaged. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly as a as a music teacher, I would never, <laughs> never take that approach. Right. And I don't want to knock anyone else's work, but that's sort of a... <laughs> no, that's um, all right. She was a nice music teacher. I really liked her, but I remember falling or getting tired in those moments. Yeah, well, you get tired or you start, you know, I've especially, you know, I was a middle and high school teacher, so... Mm -hmm that was sort of the age where they're getting really very interested in each other in a major way. So uh, if your expectation is that they're going to sit there and be quiet <laughs> and, and not talk to each other, that's just, <laughs> that's, that's going against every fiber of their being. Well, that's why you've created nice materials for students to work on <laughs> yeah. while they're listening. Um, yeah. And I'm just looking at the store. Um, what's the website that teachers can go to to find this stuff? It's So our website is sciencepodcastforkids.com, or you can go to tumblepodcast.com. They both end up in the same place. 
If you go to sciencepodcastforkids.com today, not only are you going to find their podcast episodes and transcripts, but you can also click on their teacher store that Marshall mentioned, which has just recently launched. There you can find curriculum materials on different episode topics, like whale shark food web worksheets or an original song about the solar system. And in this short break, while you're checking out Marshall and Lindsay's podcast and site, I just want to say a quick thank you to the amazing Patreon supporters of this podcast. You're the best. Now, let's get back into the conversation. Marshall, what are some of the engineering episodes and projects that you all have featured? Um, Well, our most recent one was uh, an episode called Mission CO2 to Mars. Basically, a listener sent in not so much a question, but more sort of an idea where he was basically asking, would it be possible to send um, all of the CO2 that's causing climate change in Earth's atmosphere to Mars Mm -hmm. and make, you know, help terraform Mars for future colonization? And then so we went through in the episode and, you know, talked to a couple of experts and got an expert opinion on how his idea would or would not work. I love that, that you're taking like actual ideas that kids might have and kind of really explore that. Do you, do you have like a team of experts that you rely on for stuff like that? You just know a bunch of engineers and scientists Um, can uh, talk. Well, I mean, usually we, let's see in in doing research for um, an episode, we'll find a couple of experts who have relevant expertise. Like for the CO2 to Mars, we found a scientist who's working on carbon capture and storage from the Czech Republic who happened to be in Barcelona for a conference. So Lindsay went and interviewed her. And then, you know, we also talked to somebody at NASA about, you know, how to, how to, capture or how to ship captured co2 to a distant planet <laughs> so yeah yeah um an awesome question yeah yeah it was really it was a really interesting episode and uh, fun to do the no, spoiler alert it's not feasible <laughs> but it's still sometimes it's wonderful to hear yeah yeah, yeah it, it it basically comes down to you know the the cost of sending things into space is it's very expensive yeah. unless we come up with a better way to leave Earth's gravity. You know, it strikes me that, I mean, Lindsay has a lot of expertise in finding these experts, but it's one of those skills that I know engineering teachers want to teach mm-hmm. their kids how to go and find information. So if if teachers wanted to have their students do some science reporting or make their own podcasts for, for whatever class that they're teaching... What do you think about that? Is that too much work? Is it, is it worthwhile? Uh, I think it's totally worthwhile. In fact, um, one of the things we're going to put on the teacher's store is sort of the tumble guide to making a podcast with your class. Um, and, you know, we're also going to include uh, downloads of all the music that I've made for our show that you can use in your show. Um, oh, wow. Because, yeah. you know, music just makes, yeah, makes everything better, including podcasts. Um, so I, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say making a podcast with kids, I think it's a great idea. 
Um, it's certainly doable. I think we, we have a, a one sheet about how to interview a scientist and an episode about that, that you can download off of our feed. It, it turns out, you know, scientists and experts are everywhere. You don't have to be interviewing like the foremost expert on, in the world. You can just, you know, if you know someone down the street, who's a doctor, like they, doctors are scientists and, uh, engineers are scientists. Then what are some of the biggest challenges in, in doing something like that? Um, with kids or just in general? <laughs> well, you know, maybe both. I guess in the classroom, what do you foresee as a challenge that people should watch out for? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for doing it with kids is I think you have to decide as a teacher in advance how much, how much you want the process of making the product to be part of what you're teaching. So what I mean by that is, you know, you can easily spend a whole semester teaching the skills related with to audio journalism. Right. Like that, that could just be a whole semester class, no problem. So how much of your project, if you're going to do a podcast project, do you want to be about, you know, teaching those skills and how much do you want it to be about, you know, whatever, you know, next generation science standard or teak or whatever you're, you're working on. Yeah. on. Um, so I think that is, uh, pro I, that's what I foresee as being probably the biggest challenge for teachers wanting to do that in their classroom. And I think you have to decide like, here's the limit of podcast relevant skills. I'm going to spend time teaching. And I, I would set that limit pretty low actually, hmm. unless, you know, we heard from a teacher who, is doing a, a design thinking uh, project with her, I think it was third grade class where they were designing a podcast recording studio. And I know that that aligns very well with some of the next gen science standards around engineering. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to go that route, then definitely, you know, set the bar a little higher, but that, that's just something you need to decide before you even begin thinking about using a podcast as an assessment. Yeah, it brings to light similar conversations I've heard um, amongst science and engineering teachers because their students already have to write reports. And mm -hmm. the conversation always comes up, how much do they teach writing versus teaching science or teaching engineering? Right. Like you said, they could have a whole other class on just English or just radio production or just whatever. Right. Which, I mean, hopefully when it comes to English, they do have a whole other yeah, class. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I guess <laughs> the teachers I've spoken to say that there's a lot of uh, required collaboration that's needed to help bring up the writing skills of students too. But yeah. I guess that's what's cool to me about the idea of doing podcasting in the classroom. It actually integrates all of that, the writing and the technical side, depending on what you're studying. Yeah, have you seen, or I guess you gave one example of one teacher doing that. Is it pretty common that podcasting is in the classroom? Um, from what I've heard, there's a, a lot of interest in it. Um, whenever I've talked to teachers about, uh, you know, podcasts in the classroom, you know, I mentioned like, you know, here's a way you can use other podcasts in your classroom. And they're like, oh, cool. But when I mentioned like making them as an assessment tool, like people's eyes just light up. Huh. Um, so it seems like there's a lot of interest and energy around making that happen. I think from what I can tell, there's not a lot of knowledge about how. <laughs> okay. 
So you reminded me of another question I wanted to ask you. Speaking of other podcasts, do you have other favorite podcasts for this type of of goal, this type of education goal? Do you have other resources in general that you really like? Yeah, well, there, there are a bunch of um, there are a bunch of great podcasts for kids out there. The there's one called Brains On, which we really like. Um, excuse me. Um, which is produced by I think Minnesota Public Radio. They do they do some really cool stuff. They're a little more um, I don't know I don't know quite how to put it. Maybe more journalistic than we are. They not necessarily as directly focused on an educational mission in the way that we are. You know, like you know we're really trying to communicate a specific thing to our audience about a specific mm-hmm. topic. Whereas I think they're more just broadly looking at making learning fun Hmm. other things out there that inspire me um you know i I spend a lot of time listening to political podcasts so oh wow at at the moment those aren't so inspiring (laughs) yeah i was gonna say it's everyone says it's pretty much a downer yeah yeah it's one one thing that's nice about being very far from the u.s is being able to unplug a little from u.s politics right or at least get some emotional distance from it. Yeah, you know, let's let's talk about a little bit of that too. So you are in Spain mm-hmm. because I understand you're even though you are a teacher, you're taking a break from teaching to do this podcasting mm-hmm. full time. Um, yeah, why would you want to do that? Well, you know, our our goals in coming here were. I, there, there were a few of them. Like the the first was our son is three, and we wanted to give him the experience of living in another culture, of living in another country, and sort of just exposure to a second, or in his case, second and third simultaneously language. Because um, hmm. in Barcelona, they speak. Uh, Spanish, yes, but the primary language spoken here is Catalan. So his school is all in Catalan, which is, you know, it's a romance language, but a a different one from Spanish, kind of. I'd say it's as different as, like, Italian. So, you know, language acquisition for our son was part of it. I think language acquisition for ourselves. I think we wanted to kind of challenge ourselves to get better at speaking Spanish. Um you know, I've, I've been, I want to say like a 70% Spanish speaker for the better part of the last decade. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to get, you know, bridge the rest of that gap. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, just having a different experience. And I think we always wanted to live abroad. So, you know, we were looking at places that had had those things, you know, that would give us access to Spanish. And it turned out we had friends of friends who lived here in Barcelona who were willing to help us make the transition. Okay. So that's, that's what we ended up doing. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty amazing. Our opinions towards education over there, is it different from in Texas? Um, I would say so. Let me see. It's, it's always hard to say like how much is just our experience at our specific school yeah, and how much right. is about sort of the broader culture. I think, you know, speaking as a former teacher and one who did like a lot of extra scholastic events, the standard of 
like the expectation for teacher to parent communication is very different. So basically, just to give an example, like our son had a, his school had like a holiday, holiday sing-along concert, you know, where yeah. they all sang, and basically every single grade at the school sang a, a Christmas tune. Most of them in Catalan, but some were actually in English. And we found out about this concert, which was happening all day Saturday, uh, the Monday before. <laughs> that oh, that wow. was the very first communication we received. And it was like a note stuffed in his backpack. And it was like, oh, oh, this thing is happening. And like, it didn't say what time you're supposed to arrive. It didn't say... <laughs> You know, it just said, like, here's when they're performing. And it's like, okay, do we need to be there before? Should we be, like, should they be wearing anything? It was just all very, like, this is just happening. <laughs> and I'm, a, you know, with my music teacher hat on, I, I can't imagine the amount of flack I would have gotten if I had communicated that vaguely and that late in the game. <laughs> Right, because the school districts here and they're probably more regimented, and more parents would be complaining. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, the parents would be definitely up in arms. I think maybe you know the the fam families in the U.S. are a lot busier generally, so I think you know you need to get hmm. get things in more often. Those, I will say, I think it seems like kids here have a lot more. Uh, unstructured time playtime yeah yeah playtime just sort of like pretty much every school is right next to um, a plaza yeah which is you know just like an open public space and so every school if you go to a plaza from like 4 to 6 30 p.m you're just gonna see you know 200 children just all like playing yeah. and they will play until they go home for dinner at around well everybody eats dinner at like nine yeah, yeah. but they'll go home at seven and so it's you know every kid has like just three hours of completely unstructured playtime hmm. built into their day for the most part is there this attitude over there that we sometimes have here in texas and in the u.s that oh people really should be studying stem more like that's a big trend right now do you feel that it's like that in Spain? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I think so. Um, I know, you know, uh, our son is three and he could be taking robotics class right now really? at his school. Whoa, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've heard robots what... for like five-year-olds, but three is, you don't know what it is, do you? Like the details of it? I, I really don't. It's all I know. I mean, at all the business at his school is, is conducted in Catalan, which... I don't speak. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. Um, there was a presentation about what kinds of things they do in the robotics class, but it was all in Catalan. So um, <laughs> I, I sat through it. <laughs> I can tell you the teacher seemed like a very nice man who smiled a lot. Well, that's really neat. I feel like that's a whole nother conversation. I guess one final question related to that. Sure. Are you interested in merging science and politics somehow like do you even think that they go together well i mean part of our educational mission i think is at least implicitly political i'd, I'd say unfortunately so 
just because there are so many, there's so many politicians who are just straight up anti-science. So I, I think, you know, part of our, part of our long-term dream is if, you know, every child in the U S listens to tumble on a regular basis, they won't grow up and vote for anti-science candidates. Mm -hmm. That's our dream. I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where every child in the U S is listening to tumble, but you know, you can, you can hope. Yeah. But you know, if kids have a solid understanding of what the scientific process is and how science is used to gain knowledge and, you know, even, you know, just the basics of, I I think every topic that is taught in elementary and middle school science, I think you, you need to also teach how people found out about that thing. And I think if that happens, then there's less, um, less confusion about what people mean by the evidence says this is happening. There's scientific consensus that this is happening. There's, you know, I mean, people say like evolution is just a theory. Well, you know, if you really understand what that means in science, you know, that won't be, that won't be a statement that means to you that evolution is therefore a flawed model just because it's just a theory. So, you know, I think, I think there's definitely that political goal that we have, which might be when enough. it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like if that actually, if we actually accomplish that, I think that would be a dramatic transformation right. in just our whole political system, especially around science related issues. Well, all right. Thanks, Marshall. And well, once again, if people want to find out more about the podcast or everything else that you've got up there, um, the website is sciencepodcastforkids.com, correct? That is correct. All right. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks again for talking. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. That was Marshall Escamilla, co-creator of the Tumble Podcast, a science podcast for kids. Check out the show notes for links to Tumble or for links to other topics mentioned today. You can also find these notes at our podcast website, k12engineering.net. Subscribe to the podcast right away. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, PRX, or your favorite podcast platform. In fact, starting this week, you can now also listen to the show on Radio Public if you've got that app. Review and share the show to help others get into the engineering education mindset. Find us on Twitter at K12Engineering, and you can tweet me at Pius Wong. Get more show notes and more transcripts at the podcast website, k12engineering.net. Our closing music is from the song Yes And by Steve Combs, used under a Creative Commons attribution license. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs. Support Pios Labs with regular contributions by going online to patreon.com slash Labs. You can also just buy me a coffee. Links on how to do that are on the podcast website and in the show notes. Thank you all for listening, and please listen in next time.